I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Marking Ministries. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how our culture is so anti-aging. I think I started realizing that in my 30s, and I'm 72 now, and I can still see the pressure. I feel it, and I have to fight it to be forever young, which really kind of sounds silly. But it's such an important topic that Susan Hunt and I wrote a book called Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture, because we believe that no matter our age, as we age, that we will flourish when we know the Lord. And that's a different message than what our culture is giving to us. At the end of each chapter, we asked the woman who was at least 70 years of age or older to share a story from her life about flourishing in this anti-aging culture. And we call them our storytellers. And one of those storytellers is Diane Balch. And Diane Balch is our guest today because she has so much wisdom, I think, that I want to share with you. And I want others to see that even when you're 80, which Diane is 80, that there's so much flourishing to do. There's so much life to live. So Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you more than words can tell. Why don't you, before we jump into our conversation about aging, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about your life right now. Well, Sharon, about a year ago, I moved into a patio home and it's a cluster of about 65 apartments uh, in the community. And then within six months, we were shut down with COVID. And my life right now, I, I tried to think psychologically, I tried to buckle down and you had sent me one of these and I made this little uh, devotional. I'm not a good journaler, but I did journal through the six months of pandemic and I called it my revival journal. But you're talking about flourishing. Sometimes I was floundering six months in an apartment by yourself when you've had to put down your beloved cat um, with some challenges. So that was the psychological part, and those devotionals help keep me going. The other thing that I find myself doing is thinking about my spiritual life. What am I doing right now? Now that we're starting to get freed up, I'm teaching three Bible studies. One is a Sunday school class, woman to woman, with two young women, and then a Wednesday morning Bible study. We've had to break all of them down because of COVID, so we have 10, and then a Thursday evening Bible study. I also have been meeting with a young man who came to know Christ after a motorcycle accident that almost killed him. And he's a brand new creation in Christ with a story to tell. Well, that takes care of my spiritual life, what I'm doing. Um, Socially, there's a group called the Sisterhood, and that's 10 widows or divorcees. And we've tried to meet for dinner once a month and encourage each other. And that means a lot to me. Also, in this new little apartment complex, I find myself looking out to neighbors, and I have several that I'm praying for and trying to be a witness to. And then physically, I've been living with chronic pain for the last two and a half years, and we can go into more of that later, but that's just part of, that's what makes me up, (laughs) socially, physically, spiritually, and psychologically trying to keep my head on straight. Well, you're busy. Even though you've been quarantined, you found a way to stay connected and to stay really as a life giver, pouring into the lives of others. And it makes me think about the idea, and I think it's true, that what we are as young women is going to play a big part in who we are as older women. If we are life givers, if we're being intentional, 
And I don't mean that perfectly. I know that we all stumble. And But if we look at that as our goal, then most likely that's going to be amplified when we're older. And what I hear you describing really is a continuation of what you did with your husband, Dave, for many, many years. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was 30 years old when I first heard the gospel and knew I was not a Christian. And that happened to be at an outreach. I ended up going to a Bible study for six weeks before I really knew I was saved and that Christ lived in my heart. And then where I actually made that decision and knew I was born again and had eternal life was at a women's retreat. So that's how I got started. And what's happened since then, the woman who spoke at the coffee I went to and that taught that Bible study for six weeks ended up discipling me. And she established some patterns for us, the time in the word every day, uh, how to pray, all these little basics that we call fundamentals. The phrase we used back then, she'd say it with a smile, was monkey see, monkey do. And before my husband was even saved, I remember getting on my knees, looking at Anne as an example and saying, Lord, I don't know what it would take, but please let me teach your word and please let me disciple women. And so we call that the Titus II mandate with you and Susan Hunt. But back then it was just monkey see, monkey do. And I prayed about that. And the result of that is like this woman to woman uh, Sunday school class that I mentioned. It was actually started uh, by my granddaughter and me because she wanted a class for young women. And it was her idea. And we went to the pastor And that's been going on now for about five years. But it was, again, monkey see, monkey do. And she's now married one year and after living with us for four years. And then another thing through the years I did almost immediately was be the director of women's ministries in our ministry with Campus Crusade Executive Ministries and then at Redeemer in New York, a PCA church in Charlottesville. By the time I got here, the continuation was I knew I was too tired to do it again. But I did end up on the women's ministry team, and I did speak at the retreat, and I have tried to coach and be a friend and walk alongside three different women's ministry leaders. So that's the continuation you're talking about. And the Titus II women uh, was a mandate that I think I embraced before I even knew where it was, and that is making disciples who will make disciples. That's just part of my DNA, and I know that what I am, I am by the grace of God, nothing more. <laughs> so well, he took a 30 year old woman and started working. You and Dave, your beloved husband, you traveled all over the world teaching and pouring life into others. You worked for Campus Crusade. You mentioned Redeemer Church, and that church started with a little Bible study in your home. And now it's all over the place. I mean, the way God has blessed, and many people have heard of Tim Keller and the incredible ministry that he has. and. So there's a whole nother conversation to have about being in the little things of life. What seems little, God could be using in an incredible big way. And so just being obedient and faithful with whatever is in front of you, I can see how your life has reflected that. One of the things that you and I have talked about is that aging is a season of loss. And uh, that's maybe that's one reason we try to avoid it. But uh, you have experienced some big losses over the past 15 years or so. And I'd like for you to share some of those. I want you to talk to us about how do you flourish in a season of loss? You've been very transparent about the struggles 
Um, so share with us some of those losses. I think many people will resonate with what you have experienced. Well, when you mentioned losses, it has been a season of loss. And when you posed that question to me, Sharon, uh, you said in the last 20 years. So I wasn't thinking 15. I started thinking 20 years ago was 2000. And we had left New York City and then a year later, 9-11. We'd been in New York for 14 years. And so I had to start a Bible study the next morning in our PCA church in Charlottesville on the Gospel of Mark. And that was the morning after 9-11. And I remember God leading me to the scripture. Let me see. I wrote it down. Hebrews 12, 26 to 28 talks about God shaking down what can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken remains. And I realized at that point that God was shaking us down as a nation. And following that, a bunch of things start happening to me. My daughter went through a divorce, leaving four children traumatized, and they lived with us for two years. And that was a shakedown in our family dynamics and in what they were going through. And then uh, my mother died. And then we, we had a, a move. My husband decided to come out of retirement at 68 and become a pastor of evangelism at a church we'd left 22 years earlier. So I had to be shaken again. My loss then was a beautiful lake house that we'd enjoyed for 15 years while we lived in New York and while we lived there. But even something like that, a home that you've nested in and your grandchildren have grown up in was another loss. And then once we got to Philadelphia, I lost my health. And it took specialists a year. They, none of them could figure it out. And I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme. Ended up bedridden for two years. Couldn't drive. Couldn't shop. And that's really when I knew I was shaken because my ministry became almost a bedside kind of a ministry. We ended up moving down to Fairhope, Alabama. And that was to get out of toxic mold and try to have a fresh start. Fell in love with the community. And uh, after we'd been here for two years, my husband was diagnosed with lung cancer. And we were told three to five years if the protocol worked, but he was gone in seven months. And he really was the love of my life. I knew him from the age of 14 on. So that was an enormous loss. And then following that, I got colon cancer. So my health took another hit and I've been in constant chronic pain since that. And that's a loss each day trying to figure out how to cope with something like that. Last summer, I went through four moves. Uh, thinking that I was going to be settling in with family members in Colorado. I had an estate sale, sold a five-bedroom house, and got rid of everything that wouldn't fit in one room. And then when we realized that that really wasn't God's way of me being where I was supposed to be, I came back to Fairhope and went through four, you know, these four moves before I landed in this sweet little patio house. So that's a lot of letting go, and that's the phrase I use with loss. You end up adjusting and adapting and letting go, and that's not without emotions. Uh, sometimes it's like a, an emotional roller coaster, and it's not always without grief. There's a lot of grief involved in those losses, but grief's part of life. And so that was just something I learned at a much deeper level, <laughs> and I'm still learning. Almost everything you have mentioned is listed in a study of some of the worst stresses that a human being can experience. I mean, illness, loss, loss of your husband, all those moves. I mean, just moving once is a huge stressor. So, and you were older. I mean, 20 years ago, you were 60. And so you are facing all these changes as an older woman. 
And yet you're here and you have a viable ministry. You're pouring life into others. I wonder about when you were younger, what disciplines, a couple of disciplines, I'm sure there were more than two, but if you can just mention a couple of disciplines that were in your life as a younger woman that you didn't realize were going to help equip you to flourish in this season of life. The disciplines are just something that every Christian, I'm not going to say anything here that you're not already thinking. I'm thankful to the woman who discipled me. It was daily time in God's word with Jesus (laughs) and with the Holy Spirit teaching me and then cultivating a real love for the church or the body of Christ. So that was one thing. When I first came to know Christ, my first prayer was that I wanted to be consistent. I knew as a 30-year-old woman with two children and a marriage almost 10 years old that I was a very inconsistent, up and down, in and out kind of a person. And so those disciplines were the first thing. But the second discipline that occurred to me is, I've been thinking through your questions, was the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. That was something that was actually said to me and taught to me before I actually received Christ and knew I'd been born again. And it made sense to me, a supernatural presence in us. And I don't think it's taught enough. I don't think it's expressed enough among us as Christian women. And that is one thing I just really, really want my anybody I'm pouring into to understand that they're not in this thing alone. Christ is in us, but the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So after Dave was gone, one of the first books I sat laid in bread in bed, and I'd read it 20 years earlier, back you know in the 90s or 84, I think, when it came out. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Joy Unspeakable, whom having not seen, we know, and we're filled with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And it's his study on the power and the renewal in the Holy Spirit. That was something that I'd read years ago, but I got so much more out of it now when I was in a season of loss. And uh, the disciplines, the Holy Spirit's the one that keeps you going back to the Word, back to church, back to Bible study, and maintaining those disciplines that have been built in. How do you experience that? You know, there, there's somebody who's listening or watching who's saying, I hear that, I've heard it before, but I have no idea how to experience that presence of the Holy Spirit. And what difference would it make in me to have the Holy Spirit active, so to speak, in my heart? Well, when we're born again, (laughs) we're born of God's Spirit. And Jesus, when he left, said, I've got to go because if I don't, then I won't be able to send to you the Holy Comforter who will teach you and guide you, direct your path. And, you know, all these things that were promised, he had to leave so that he could send the Holy Spirit. And I just feel like we need to talk about it and meditate on it. And we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, but there are conditions to that. We have to want to be. We have to know we're cleansed vessels. The Holy Spirit isn't going to empower us when we're holding on to sin or idols in our heart. And so to me, it's just a good discussion that should be a part of every Bible study where we're talking about already being believers. I think there are a lot of people in the church that are just maybe comfortable or apathetic or, you know, just gliding along and trying to keep life level and safe. And the Holy Spirit just loves to shake us up. <laughs> and uh, but what he's trying to give us is what Jesus died for, joy, <laughs> unspeakable, love and peace and patience. 
And part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that made sense to me is I knew that in my flesh, I couldn't do any of those things. I knew I needed a helper, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the helper, the, uh, the comforter and the easer. We'll put a link to the book that you mentioned in the program notes so that, you know, we can further dig into that. And I, I really resonate with what you're saying because I felt that more and more as an older woman is, Lord, I, there's so much more of you that I want to experience. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And I remember this moment where I was remembering my younger self and I, I was such a sinner. I'm still such a sinner, but I thought of things that I did back then that I thought I was so sinful in my thought life and my heart. And, but what got to me was the Lord loved me anyway, and he gave me opportunities to serve him. He knew my heart. Other people may not have, but it just made me want him more. You know, I think, and I know that's what the Holy Spirit does. He just stirs up a love for Jesus. And I think too many people are afraid to go there because they don't want to be confronted with sin or have to deal with it. And yet it's freeing. The Holy Spirit frees us. So it's a huge topic, and but I'm hoping that we will just listen to what you're saying and dig deeper and experience that kind of joy. Because, you know, in the throes of grief, I know what grief is. We lost our son, Mark, when he was 16. And the word is what kept me going. And I know it was the Holy Spirit who was leading me to the message of grace that, that the Lord was going to use to comfort me and to help turn my heart toward Jesus. Mm-hmm. So as we think about aging with grace, really in a season of loss, I mean, you have described loss after loss after loss. How did you lean into the pain and find contentment? Or did you? I mean, was it a struggle? to be content. You've been very transparent about the sadness that you've experienced, the grief that you've experienced, but you're living to tell the tale. So how did you lean into that pain? And and how did you find contentment, even though you were disappointed in some of the losses in your life? Well, I think most people think change is hard. And everything that I've described to you resulted in change, huge changes. One Sunday morning in a Sunday school class, I said, how many of you women like change? And out of a class of about 35 women, only one other lady raised her hand besides me. I've always liked change. And we had 28 moves during our ministry. And during that time, Dave and I realized we're not only pilgrims trying to make progress, like Bunyan wrote about, but we're pioneers. And like your husband was a pastor, and you had to hold tight and keep the the church stable. And Dave and I would come in and pioneer something and then move on. 28 moves since our marriage uh, was a lot of moves. But these changes that we've had to, that I've described to you, I've had to accept each one and I've had to adjust to it. And I've had to lean into a pain because of my imbalance caused by the Lyme. I'm having to lean into pacing myself with my calendar, really watching what I can handle in a day or, you know, every other day, the rest day. So these are all challenges. My husband was very tall and laid back and gentle. And we always described him as the tortoise. And he just plodded along and he was steady. And I was the hare that was running circles around him. Well, one of the changes that's taking place at 80 is I've become a tortoise. <laughs> and yet my husband made it to the finish line and 
by God's grace, I hope to make it and flourish all the way to the finish line. Part of dealing with the pain has been leaning into eternal perspective. I think that's something I heard and understood to a point as a young Christian, but with every loss (laughs) that you go through, eternal perspective becomes more and more important. And it was never more important than when my husband was in the hospital dying and he asked me to read in 2 Corinthians that our light momentary afflictions are nothing compared to eternity. So developing eternal perspective has helped me lean into the pain or the changes. I resonate with what you're saying because when loss, like the loss of a child, the sudden loss of a child, the sudden loss of a spouse, it feels as though, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, what When is the next shoe going to drop? And yet the truth of heaven, you know, every day we're one day closer. We're one day closer to experiencing what Jesus came to yeah. give us. And that's a powerful motivator. Um, and as long as we're here, we have work to do. You know, we know that when we get up in the morning, God gave us that day and there's something that he wants for us in that day. Um, and it's sometimes it's kind of exciting to think about it. You mentioned Dave and I know similarly, I'm a pastor's wife, so I was very involved in Chuck's life in the ministry. He was a pastor for almost 50 years and we were partners in ministry. You were partners with Dave. How do you deal with the loneliness now that Dave has stepped over into heaven? I have not really felt lonely uh, one day since Dave died. One of the very first things that the Lord let me know while I was watching his decline, which only lasted seven months, was that I was not alone. Matthew 28, Jesus in the Great Commission said, Lo, I am with you, even to the end. And as soon as Dave died, I knew the Lord was still with me. And Isaiah 54, 4 and 5 became like an anchor for my soul that he is a husband to the widow. And so loneliness is not something I've experienced very much. And I really believe that goes back to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I know that Christ is with me. I know the Holy Spirit is in me. So my little apartment here is not empty. And I also believe a lot in guardian angels. Hebrews 1.14 says, are they not given to as ministering spirits to serve those who are receiving salvation? And so I don't know how many guardian angels the Lord assigned to this poor old lady, but I appreciate the fact that the Lord identified himself as a husband to the widow. But there's some practical things, too. When you're living alone, I have a lot of other widowed friends or divorcees, and they are lonely, and they talk about their loneliness. And we try to speak into each other's lives, and we give each other good TV series to watch that aren't going to corrupt us to the point that we you know, just feel like we need to go take a bath. Keeping informed is another thing that I try to deal with in my lonely, the many hours a day that I have in this place when I'm not with people. Young moms don't have the time. And I know that from my experience, and I'm sure you do too, raising children and grandchildren. I didn't have the time to stay stuck on the news and to know what was going on worldwide and nationally. And I feel as an older woman that God is calling us to pray. That's the hard work. And uh, to know what's going on so that you can pray intelligently and know what the issues are that you're praying about. And so I don't expect the young women to be where I am any more than they expect me to still act their age. But I think we're contributing in each other's lives. And I'm trying to help them realize how serious some of the things we are going through right now are because their children and their grandchildren are going to have to live with it. 
And so, yeah, prayer <laughs> and really wanting to help other women through the loneliness. That's how the sisterhood started was getting together for a meal once a month and just sharing from the heart, knowing that that was a closed group and that we could um, we could admit our loneliness or our fear or our grief. To me, grief and loneliness are two different things. I've grieved like crazy. That's something the Lord did as well. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And you can't shortchange grief, but I think that you can get over being lonely all the time. I really appreciate you saying that because I'm sure that there is someone who's saying, well, I am in such deep grief. I don't know how I can grieve and not be lonely. But I think what you've described is a really beautiful picture of two parallel lines. And I would suggest if you are in that place to pray for the Lord to show you, okay, what can you do to offer the help and hope of the gospel to somebody else, somebody else who's lonely? So I love, I love your group of women that get together, and I hope that other groups like that will pop up as a result of our conversation. Diane, uh, sadly, we have to wrap up our time. There's so much more that we could talk about, but would you talk one-on-one to that person who is listening, who is just broken by the losses, maybe like you has gone through loss after loss after loss and is so discouraged and wishes that she could display the kind of confidence and joy that you have, what comfort and encouragement can you give to her and maybe share a go-to verse that when you're struggling, you go to that scripture? Well, my go-to verse is actually engraved on my tombstone, Dave and my tombstone, that's Hebrews 12, one to three. And it has been a mandate that I've had since I was probably about 35 years old. And that is to lay aside the weights and the sins that beset us and to try to run the race patiently that God puts before us looking at Jesus. So for me, it boils down to focus. When I find myself either overwhelmed with grief and sorrow, and these are all real emotions, but I have to ask myself, what am I really looking at? What am I gazing at? Because if it's, if it's all these things that just make you want to fall apart or just go curl up in a fetal position, he wants us to keep running the race that he sets before us with our eyes on him. And uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one that I would encourage anyone to just try to walk out every day. Trust him with all of your heart. And please try not to lean on your own understanding. I, I, that catches me a lot. I'm leaning on my own understanding. But to acknowledge him in prayer and trust him to direct our path. God left me with a definition of sanctification that was Tozer. And it's something I've lived with also for maybe the last 45 years, but it was Tozer said, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I have no further plans of my own. And I think that's a, a definition of sanctification that I've tried to grow into. I really, at this stage, don't have any more plans of my own. But just being here today with you, Sharon, is a blessing. And speaking to the women out there who are in that hard, hard, hard place. I grieve with you and I grieve for you. Grief is real, but I hope that you'll look to the scriptures because the Lord is the word and the Lord is the Prince of Peace and the Lord is all that we need and he's with us. So it's not easy, but he's not going to leave you. In that yoke, you go come when we're weary and heavy laden and falling apart, we come into his yoke and we learn more about him and he gives rest to our souls. Diane, thank you so much for 
taking the time to talk with me today. And I have really enjoyed you digging in and sharing some of those beautiful treasures that God has given to you over your lifetime. And I love that you are still pouring life into others. You are flourishing even in a season of loss. And I'm so grateful. I'm Sharon Betters and Diane Walsh has been my guest today for this Help and Hope podcast. Our conversation, as you realize, is about uh, flourishing in a season of loss. And you can go to markinc.org where you can find more stories like Diane's. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. Our goal and our vision at Mark Inc. Ministries is to offer help and hope to hurting people. And one of the ways that we do that is by sharing the stories of others who have experienced some of the life crises that are often experienced in loneliness and isolation. So that again, that is markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. You can also go to agingwithgrace.online. That's agingwithgrace.online, where you will find more stories about Aging with Grace, uh, as well as a series of uh, called Aging with Grace, Ask an Older Woman, where older women answer questions about what it means to flourish in an anti-aging culture. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Again, go to markinc.org and find more resources just like this one.